Good day to all. I pray that I've found you in good health and spirits. I'm excited for all that God has done, is doing, and is about to do in my life. As I pray that you share in this excitement with me, as I speak great things coming into your life as well. Because I know, let me say, we all know that none of us deserve all that God has, is, and will do for us. Because as we think back to where we all were, what most of us were, if we're honest with ourselves, when God found us, we should all be able to say God has been good to us. Amen. So today, if you don't mind, I'd like to speak to you from the standpoint of haven't always been that holy. Everyone used to be something or someone else. And our main scripture comes from 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 30. And it reads as follows. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many had influence. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Let the Lord have a blessing to the reading of his mighty word. Our main scripture asks us to think of what we were when we were called. Then it proceeds to telling each of us what we weren't, who we weren't, where we weren't, and what condition we were in when God found us. Basically, the who, what, when, and why of each of our lives. If we aren't too afraid and are willing to be honest with ourselves, the scripture is right on point describing our conditions. But it is also a true depiction of who some of the most famous biblical figures we read about and exactly what they were and where they were when God found them. They were not wise, not of influence, not of noble birth. This is what scripture is saying about them. But it also pertains to many of us, if you're not in denial. Many of us fit this diagnosis. Most of us fit it. I believe all of us fit it. So all I'm saying, and the scripture is saying, there is always a before our after. What, who, and where we were, and who, what, and where we find ourselves now. Can you say transformation or metamorphosis? That's what each of us has gone through since we've been called by God and come into fellowship with Jesus Christ. As it pertains to a metamorphosis, according to the Utah Education Network, about 88% of insects undergo a complete metamorphic process. Some go through a four-step process. A butterfly wasn't always a butterfly. Before it was a butterfly, it was a caterpillar. A frog hasn't always been a frog. Before it was a frog, it was a tadpole. An eagle wasn't always an eagle. It was an egg before it was an eagle. A beetle hasn't always been a beetle. It was an egg, then a larva, and then into a beetle. A three-step process before its final metamorphosis. Please allow me to look at this from a spiritual aspect. All saints 
haven't always been the saints they are today. Many or most, let's say all, were sinners before they became saints. We all were unholy before holy. Speaking of myself, a heathen before a halo, unsaved before saved. All I'm saying is we all were something else before we became who we are now. And just like the aforementioned animals, there's a process to becoming who we are. And some like the beetle take a little longer than others. Three or four step process. God is still working on you just as he's working on all of us. In the text, we are told and reminded that many people are not now what they used to be. They were something or someone else before they were called, saved, delivered, and sanctified by Almighty God. Oscar Wilde says it like this, Every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future, the before and after Christ. If we look into the Bible, no one that God used in a mighty way in the Bible were always the people they turned out to be or we read about now. Sometimes it is easy for Christians to forget where they came from, what they came out of, and what God found them in before thereafter. I know that's a very bold and profound statement, but unfortunately a true one, but one that must be spoken. Because it is sad and unfortunate that many do forget where God found them. Allow me to say this to you. There cannot be an after if there wasn't a before. Before God created the earth and all that's within it, before he spoke over it, it was something totally different than what we see it being today. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. Genesis 1, 1 through 2. There before God and the after God, speaking it into what it is today, existence. So for those who think they have always been nice, with a good heart, kind to others, a good person, trust me, you haven't. You had a before what you are today, boo-boo. You haven't always been that kind. You haven't always been that nice. Your heart has not always been that good and you haven't been so good to other people that you don't like. And still some are stuck in between the before and the after. I can say I'm not too afraid or proud to say, honestly, there was a before my saving and finding Christ or Christ finding me. If most of you aren't too proud to admit it, but I know most of you came out butterflies and eagles skipping stages of transformation. Okay, you're right. But for me, you're seeing and witnessing the after I found him, after he called me, after he discovered me, after he anointed me, and after he appointed me. The man you're listening to now is the one after the amen. And I thank God for the after because the before wasn't very good. And if many are honest with themselves, they can say the same thing. Just like the darkness was hovering over the earth before God spoke light into it, it was like the darkness was hovering over me as well before he spoke light into my life. And I'm quite sure I'm not alone. I can put any of your names to replace mine. Mike, James, Michelle, Nikki, Sarah, Molly, Deborah, and little Ray Ray. God said, let there be light, and the light shone on me. 
and then my after began to come forth. Two-step metamorphosis, three-step metamorphosis, four-step metamorphosis, 10-step metamorphosis for some, and some still more steps. <laughs> but, <we're, laughs> but we all are still being brought to next levels of who we will become in Christ. For some, it may take longer than others, but you'll get there. Just stay with it, boo. In the text, there was darkness hovering over the land. All of us have had darkness hovering over us at some point or time in our lives. Even if you don't want to admit it, I'm going to admit it for you. Even people in the Bible had a before their light moments. Think about Paul. Many older people call it before I came to Christ moments. They say you're lucky. You know me now because if you would have encountered me before, I had a come to Christ moment. My response would have been different as many of yours would have been too. mine as well. Not necessarily nasty or mean, but just different. So can we all come to an agreement and admit that we all have had a before, before I got married, before I got this job, before I met my wife or husband, before I stopped smoking weed, before I stopped doing drugs, before I stopped whoremongering, before I came to church, before I began reading the Bible, before I stopped drinking last night, before I got saved. We all have had a before, a before Christ life. Amen. And there's nothing wrong with being honest and being willing to admit it. It only gives God glory from bringing you this far away from what, who, and where he found you. Because as scripture tells us, he created light, but darkness existed before. The light came after the darkness. Simply put, there was a darkness to all of us before God shone a light on us, lost before we were found. There was an evilness before there became a goodness. There was faithlessness before we were faithful. There was a blindness before there was now I can see moment. So we must all understand that there was always a before the after. You know, it's interesting that many want us to believe or forget they ever had a before. But allow me to say this to you, to the ones who were lucky enough to never have had a before Christ's life. I'm not in that category or that group. I can't relate to you, nor can many of the people I know or have met in my lifetime or on my Christian journey. I say to you, I'm happy that you've been blessed never to have a before. But I must admit, I wouldn't change or give back my before because it only magnifies the power, the greatness, the love, mercy, and grace of God, his strength, his redemptive power, his unrelenting mercy, and his everlasting grace towards his children. Taking a sinner like me and transforming me into who I am today. So you don't know what you're missing when you deny or downplay your before. And because I have a before, I've gotten a chance to experience all that he is and all he has done in my life. And I can share with others who he is and all he has done for me. And it's all because of my before Christ's life. I have a witness, testimony, and am relatable to people who do have, have had, and are still in their before stage. So if you're sitting here or within earshot of my voice and are hearing this, I ask you, don't hide from your before. Embrace it because it brings God joy 
and glory to know you embraced and admitted your before because you can now say he has provided you with an after. In the text, the Bible says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. The key word in the text I want you to look at is before you were called. Can I please say this to you before I go any farther? God doesn't always choose the best, brightest, biggest, well-to-do, the richest, nor the ones who have everything together. At times he does, but most of the time he doesn't. Most of the time he uses just the opposite of what people think or expect him to use. Don't just take my word for it. Let's look at some of the people in the Bible. We can find mighty men and women that God used to do awesome things that weren't the best, the biggest, the brightest, or had everything together in their lives. If you don't mind, please allow me to run through some of their befores. Moses was an orphan and a murderer. Noah was a drunk. David, an adulterer. Paul, a persecutor. And Tamar, a prostitute. Mary was demon-possessed. Isaac, a thief. Peter was a betrayer. Thomas was a doubter. And not to mention the man whom God tagged, a man after his own heart. This very man who violated at least three of the Ten Commandments at one time. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not covet another's wife, thou shalt not commit murder, as well as all three categories of sin in one lustful field incident. Lust of the eye, he saw her and lusted for her. Lust of the flesh, he went and had relations with her. Pride of life, to satisfy his own urges and ego. That's Genesis 3 and 6. That's biblical people. And I know you're all familiar with the story. If not, allow me to share it with you. In the text, a woman of color whose name was Bathsheba was a daughter of Elam and was probably of noble birth. A beautiful woman whom became pregnant after David saw her bathing on the rooftop. You all know the story and had her brought to him. Although he had many concubines and Bathsheba was married, he had relations with her, then ordered her husband back from war to sleep with her to hide his transgression. When her husband Uriah would not go home to sleep with her due to his soldiers not being afforded the same accommodation at their time or opportunity. That's a leader. David sent Uriah back to war and moved him to the front lines of battle so he could and would be killed. That's 2 Samuel chapters 10 through 11. Allow me to bring this to your attention or just say this. Although there aren't any accounts of any earlier frisk, I can only imagine if he acted like this after God just lets us know that the potential to act out of character or go back to before we used to act or that thorn that still remains in our side. It's still there. Just something to think about. But what it also does, it gives us some insight of how badly a man can act after being called and purposed by God. What do you think we are capable of doing before coming to Christ. I ask you to ask yourself and think about this. If you're hooked up, dating, in a relationship, or even thinking about marrying a person that hasn't been saved and knows Jesus in the pardons of his sin, still being in darkness and has not had a metamorphosis in their lives or transformation or revelation in their lives, 
to some nature of relationship or seeking God in a meaningful way, and they're still in there before life, ask yourself what and who are you dealing with at this present time? And what the heck are they capable of doing when you aren't looking or sometimes when you are looking? In the text, we see David doing dastardly deeds after being deemed a man after God's own heart and a king. I say this to Christians, if we are not careful, we can still do some things before things, even after our after moments. That is why it is so vitally important that you stay and are around like-minded people that you can hold accountable and they can hold you accountable. You're holding each other accountable for your acts, your actions, and your deeds. Just because you've been delivered from it doesn't mean you still don't have a taste for it. Let me say that again. Just because you've been delivered from it doesn't mean you don't still have a taste for it. That thorn can still be in your side. Understand, we still have the capability, capacity, and capacities to go back to your before. Allow me to say it again. That thorn has not been removed from your side. It's just been covered with God's grace for you to overcome. The lust, the temptation, or the thing to take you back to your before. Please understand the crack user, the heroin user, the whoremonger, the liar, the thief, the alcoholic, etc., Plug your own thorn in your side within this thought. You don't have to believe me. Ask someone. If you're honest with yourself, you can ask yourself silently so no one knows but you. In the text, we see David, although in his after being saved stage, he still had a moment. There may be a time you may have a moment of lapse, but don't lay in the moment. Get back on track. Bounce back and begin soaring again like the eagle. Don't let your moment make you think you're a chicken and begin hanging around with chickens, even though you're an eagle. In the text, God asks you to recall who, what, and where you were before you were called. I want to ask you a different question. The question is this. What does your after Jesus has called you life look like? Can people tell the difference between the two? Understand, I'm just asking you a question so you can ask it to yourself. Mull it in your mind. Let it soak in your spirit. Digest it in your heart and answer yourself honestly. No judgment, just self-reflection. And not based on your David moment, but your overall walk since your calling. Allow me to read this and then I'll be finished. Scripture says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus you will know them by the fruit they bear. Matthew seven fifteen through 20 In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was hovering over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. That's Genesis 1, 1 through 4. 
water separated from land. Then let land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees that bore fruit. Can I say this as a backdrop, as well as a parable? Before God in our lives, this is the picture of our lives. No vegetation, no fruit. God has always been present, hovering over you and I. But you without him and I without him was dark and void of any substance. All merging together, no separation. Everything in your life blended together. Bad, worse, sin, darkness. Get in where you fit in. Do what you like, when you like, whatever you like, as long as you like, as long as it feels good to you, do it. That's the thought process of many of our young people today. Just as it was ours years ago. No accountability. And no care or concern who gets hurt in the process. All about you. All about me. All the time. That's what the text said about the man after God's own heart. David, although saved and within his purpose calling. Can I say if and when God speaks into our lives after the darkness and speaks light into your world, things should change for the better. Our lives, when God speaks into it, is supposed to get better. Our actions, behavior, tongue, language, reaction should be different. Your fruit should not come out rotten. Your words shouldn't be salt water. They should be fresh water coming from your mouth. God said you will know them by the fruit they bear. Man sees who you are. God sees who you can become. God sees the vegetation through the darkness and selfishness. It is important that we understand that God doesn't look at where you are. He's more concerned with where you allow him to take you or make of you. An empty canvas and makes into a sky, seas, and earth. He can take dirt and make it to a man. I know he is capable of taking you and me and making what he has designed, created, anointed, called, and appointed you and I to be, regardless of our start. He knows what your before looked like, but he knows what he can shape your after to be. He has a track record of before and after makeover stories who they became after they were called. Moses was an orphan and a murderer and became a deliverer. Noah was a drunk and became an ark builder who saved mankind. David was an adulterer, murderer, a covenant of another man's wife, became a king and the father of Solomon. Paul was a persecutor. He became a preacher. Tamara, a prostitute. She became part of Jesus's lineage. Mary, demon possessed, a follower and one of the main supporters of Jesus. Jacob, a thief, the father of Joseph. Peter was a betrayer, and they ended up calling him the rock. Thomas was a doubter, but he was still a disciple. I say to you, don't judge others coming from where God found you. You never know who God is intending for them to be. Many people we see today, we are seeing their after. Many famous athletes that we see root for on television, we are experiencing their after, not their befores. So as people of faith and followers of Jesus, we are looking and seeking to help people in their befores so the world can see their afters and makeovers. Many of our afters will be better than our befores. Jesus said, I come so you can have life and have it more abundantly. Your after are intended to be better, more prosperous and greater than your before. The after we see now is so much richer than the before. God speaks of the beginning in the Bible. Well, our lives are a mirror of that. 
we can use that as a parable to our lives. We started one way, but we will morph into something so much better. Allow me to close and leave you with this. We see so many young people today that are wandering around lost and attempting to find themselves. Not so long ago, you were that young person. I was that young person wandering around in the same state of mind, attempting to find yourself and myself and your place in this world, trying to make our marks on the world, walking in darkness, not knowing or interested in finding light. It was not until God had you on your road to Damascus moment that he was able to get your attention and begin a metamorphosis in your life in 10, 20, 30, some of you 40 years later. He still has you on level two or three out of 10. He's still growing you. He's still teaching you. He's still taking you to where he wants you to be. You are a work in progress. We are a work in progress, allowing God to take you through his process to get you to where he needs you to be. Understand these young people are going through the same process in order to progress to where God wants, needs, and will call them to be. I ask, stop judging. Stop badgering them. Stop condemning them. Stop speaking darkness over them. Start loving them, encouraging them, praying for them, showing them by your actions, reactions, your behavior, and not just your words. The do as I say, not as I do, that died in the 80s or the 90s. You cannot show them a caterpillar in your actions, crawling, and ask them to be a butterfly and fly. You can't be a tadpole in their presence and then ask them to be a frog and leap high. They have to see your eagle and not your egg. They have to experience your light and not constantly the darkness in you. All I'm saying to you is you haven't always been holy. You as well as everyone else used to be something and someone else before God called, anointed, appointed, and set you apart. Allow young people to grow, develop, and mature into who God is calling them to be. Stop stressing them. Stop condemning them. Stop judging them. Live your metamorphosis in front of them and you will draw them. If I be lifted up, I'll draw men. If you live what God has called you to be, the Jesus in you will bring them in. You being different, peculiar as the Bible says, we should be to others. Not weird, not strange, not dominating, not judgmental, but peculiar. That will pique their interest to come to Jesus through you. Remember, not too long ago, you were them, and now they are you. Be reminded, none of us has been that holy all our lives. We all used to be something and someone else before God called us to be who we are now. Amen. As always, we hope you enjoyed today's message. We welcome your feedback, and if you were blessed by the message, please feel free to pass our podcast information on to both friends and family. We pray that you have an awesomely blessed day, and we thank you again for allowing us to share a word of God with you. To God be the glory. Amen. AAJ Pod, where the passion for Christ meets the purpose of Christ.